Welcome to Pappy Hour, episode three. I'm here with my great daughter Jessica and Pappy, and we are, we've got a great uh, hour ahead of us. We're going to talk today about an epic trip that I took after my four years. I'm not going to say it was after my graduation from college. Didn't quite get there. Didn't quite get there unit wise, uh, but it was uh, the time I was leaving Chico State at the time and preparing to start my career as a uniform salesman. Yeah, so you had to go to Europe and get, get some, uh, some travel out of your system. Yes, I had uh, not traveled to the European continent since the I was in the seventh grade. I went on a school trip in seventh grade, and we went for one week to Paris and took the train from Paris to Madrid, Spain. So two of the five days were like spent on a train, mm-hmm. a couple days of Paris, a couple days of Madrid, and we went back home. So it was a very quick trip with not a lot of memories. I probably was sleep deprived because we were allowed to stay up till however late we wanted to stay up. So so this is your first time to Europe really, uh, really digging in. So this was something that I really wanted to go back and see Europe. I had a lot of fellow fraternity brothers that had traveled the continent, had great stories and great times. And I knew once I started working that it, I wasn't going to get another 40-day break. This was a 40-day trip. That's crazy. Well, uh, before we before we start on uh, the story, I just want to say to any of our listeners out there, if you're listening on Spotify, it really helps us out if you subscribe to our podcast and if you leave us a rating. So hopefully we earn your five stars. And if you can drop us a five-star rating, subscribe to the podcast, like our content, share our content. That would really, really help us out, and uh, we would really appreciate it. Can fans do a rating for me and then do a separate rating for you? I hope so not. Like, can I get a zero and you get a five? <laughs> you would get a five. Would that cost average us out to a 2.5? I don't know, but okay. we would be grateful for any ratings, any engagement, any sharing. Share it with your friends, family, and uh, yeah, so let's get into it. All 19, right. what year are we talking here? Okay, 19. we're talking the... End of May 1992. And, and how long did you take to plan this trip? Oh, a, a good part of the semester. In fact, if I would have gone to classes and studied as hard as I planned this trip, I, I would have had a 4.0. You maybe would have graduated? I, perhaps I would have graduated. <laughs> <laughs> but this trip took precedence and I was really excited. Um, I planned it with a great friend and fraternity brother, uh, Joe, and myself, my cousin, Eric, and Joe set out on this trip, and um, we'll take it from there. Yeah, any uh, any other people were involved, or it was just you three from the start? No, just the three of us, and uh, my cousin Eric was kind of hitching the ride along. Uh, it was mostly the planning from Joe and I, and staying up late nights, and Shout out Chatting. Joe. Shout out Joe. We have the same exact birthday, and the day I was born, he came to the hospital and hung out with us. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Joe and you have the same birthday. Yep, August twenty eighth. August twenty eighth. Solid guy. Solid, great guy. Yeah. We'll we'll be a we'll be a guest uh, later on. Has lots of stories. Oh yeah. Uh, Joe uh, currently runs a 
four wheel uh, four wheel parts and service business in Livermore, California. So shout out to the four x four shop in Livermore. Uh, it does a great job and has a ton of stories of being on the road. <laughs> he he has done he has kept traveling his whole life. So I want to say kind of this trip started both of our lives out uh, as avid travelers and yeah. So you left from SFO. So we flew from SFO. Now, Joe wasn't able to make the Ireland trip. We so Eric and I left from SFO and we flew to Shannon Airport where we met our mothers, my mother oh. Kathy and his mother Karen, who are sisters. So they picked us up from the airport. We were really tired because uh, I did not know at the time I boarded the aircraft, but international flights had free drinks. So two uh, young men out of college uh, and a nine hour flight with free drinks, you probably know how it ended up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on the, the last, the flight coming home from the trip 40 days later, we'll tell that story because that was another adventurous flight, but we'll end the, we'll end the podcast today. So you started story. the trip off with a bang. Started off with a bang. We were really tired. We got picked up. Immediately, our mothers were all excited. We were all together in Ireland, and um, I think the first stop we went, we went to the Cliffs of Moher, which is on the west coast of Ireland. Ireland, and it's these cliffs that just drop off five, seven hundred, a thousand feet majestic, into the, into incredible. The Makes you just kind of want to like leap off of them. They're so just. Yeah, I not was, not in a, in a bad way, but like a wingsuit type of type of vibe. Like they're yeah, just so uh, incredible yeah. and giant. Cliffs of Moher, and if anybody's been to the Cliffs of Moher recently, uh, there's a visitor center. You have to check in. Um, you know, it's very managed there. In 1992, you went to a dirt parking lot and walked out to the Cliffs of Moher. It was there was no fees to get in, no entrance gates. You just, right you just walked out to the cliffs. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Ireland has changed a lot since 1992. Uh, and so it's really nice to see the old Ireland before it really became the Celtic Tiger and yeah. is one of the number one tourist destinations in Europe now is, is Ireland. Yeah. So we had a great time with our mothers. We traveled around. We went to Bunratty Castle. Uh, we, we traveled down to... Uh, the Ring of Kerry. We drove the Ring of Kerry, which uh, was happy we stayed on the roads. Got used to driving in Ireland. and Left side of the road. Yeah, small roads. Little small tiny lanes, roads. One lane hedge, roads. Hedges right up to the, to the car, to the side. Yeah, one lane roads with two cars. Yeah. That's what I say. Uh, so we had a great trip, and the mothers, uh, we made our way up to Dublin. Uh, the mothers... Uh, took off, we took them to the airport, and they went off, and cousin Eric and I stayed in Dublin for a couple nights and had some good good times there. Some pints. So I had some pints, but then we made our way, which I wanted to touch on this, we made our way to Belfast. I've never been to Belfast. I've been well, to Ireland six times, and you've never I've been to never Belfast. been to Belfast. So Belfast in 1992 was still struggling with basically a Civil War, yeah. uh, the IRA um, was fighting with the Ulsters, and it, it, was a, it wasn't a, a real uh, happy place. So the story 
So I'd like go? to tell. We wanted to see it. We wanted to experience Belfast. Were you worried we, for we your knew, safety? I wasn't. I don't, and I think that wasn't that that was out of um, ignorance and not doing our research. We probably should have been afraid of our safety, but we we just went ahead. and We went anyway. Mm. Uh, but the 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 one story that really sticks in is when we were crossing the border. Uh, my cousin Eric uh, thought that it would be uh, appropriate to maybe snap a couple pictures of the checkpoint. Well, the checkpoint was two pillboxes, one on the left side and one on the right side of the road, and the road dipped down uh, a few feet, kind of like what they would call in the military a, a kill box. So we were in this, going through this checkpoint. All of the soldiers were British, British soldiers, all in battle gear, full battle gear, rifles slung, grenades hanging off. These guys, helmets on. They get, these guys were ready for battle. So Eric uh, didn't didn't realize that his flash was going to go off on the foggy morning. So uh, two young Irish-looking boys driving a rental car, entering this checkpoint with flashes going off. And a flash can resemble a muzzle flash of a gun. So they were not happy. And they got in front of our car, stopped the car, and I was looking, I was driving. Eric was in the left side, the passenger seat. And I was looking at the soldier straight ahead of me. And another soldier came up on the window and set his rifle on the car window. Not pointing at me, but pointing inside the car and setting the barrel of his rifle. Just so you know. And just so you just so you know, don't move. Yeah. And I didn't move, and uh, I I definitely had a, 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 a my heart stopped. That'll get your heart. And busy. I and I thought to myself, the only thing we can do now is just start talking, so they know we're not Irish and that we're a couple of dumb American boys. Yep. <laughs> So really I, I said in a California voice, hey, how you doing, buddy? We're from, we're from California. And immediately, these guys slung their weapons, started chatting with us, told us how they were, they'd been to Camp Pendleton training with the Marines, and we were now their best friends. So we went from getting our car uh, shot up and, and, and or, or pulled out of the car and put into a... Uh, English jail to we were their best friends and I think they talked to us for like 10 minutes there well you did what you do best I talked De- you de-escalated I de-escalated you're and I really talked. good at de-escalating situations yeah so they were they were real happy and in fact by the time we started going it was a, it was a one lane and by the time we started again 10 minutes later there was like 50 cars behind us because these guys could care less on who was waiting yeah so it was a good story, and when we got, we were on our way to Belfast. We were entering Northern Ireland. When we got to Belfast, there were British soldiers um, riding in like half-track vehicles with machine guns at the ready. Yeah, yeah I was, haven't done it was probably a crazy as place much there. research as I should on uh, that time and that period for someone who has been to Ireland so many times, loves Ireland. I really need to read up more on <clears throat> the history of the IRA and the struggle with uh, with Ireland. I should be more informed, I feel. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't know that Ireland got its independence uh, from England 
during World War I, 1916, 1917. And then part of Ireland didn't like the agreement. Half of Ireland didn't like the agreement. And the other half liked the agreement. So in 1921 and 1922, they fought a civil war with each other. Not fighting the English, but they fought each other. And so they really didn't have peace until 1923, where they, they, they had a treaty. And, but there was always the IRA, and they weren't happy. They, they, wanted, the England, they wanted England out of Northern Ireland. The so, Irish Republican Army? Yeah, the Irish Republican Army, yes. And they wanted Ireland to be an island nation without the influence of England. Eight counties in the north. So that struggle went on from 1923 all the way up to about the mid-90s. So yeah. when we were there in 92, it was still it was still bombings going on and uh, there was still trouble. So yeah, it's great to see that Belfast now is a lively, vibrant city. It's doing real well. And most of those problems are all behind Ireland and it can move on. Yeah. So from Ireland, we took a short uh, we took a short plane ride over to London Heathrow Airport, and that's when we met up with our third wheel, Amigo, Amigo Joe. And from then on out, we were the three of us together. London was nothing special. We just kind of walked around, <laughs> and you know, London for for I think we were there three days, but or two days. Um, you know, you could see. We, we saw the changing of the guard and we it's walked. It's cool. It's yeah, cool to go yeah. to, uh, uh, don't tell me. Uh, what's, what's, um, uh, what, where, the, where does the queen live? The queen Buckingham. Live Buckingham Palace. Buckingham. And uh, Tower it's got a London. great, the, the Tower of London. That was cool. We, we went across Tower Bridge. Yep. And we had one foot. The, the bridge actually is a drawbridge. So it, it comes up in the middle. And we all sat with, one foot on the left side of the bridge and one foot on the right side of the bridge, and you could, you would, it's like you were dancing. Hmm. And that was cool. Did you do um, the London Eye? The London Eye had not been built yet. It wasn't built till after that. We did do the Tower of London, which was one Where of the. Anne Boleyn got chopped. Lots of heads were lost in this place. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is one of the most fascinating military museums of hardware. They've got. Just swords and weapons, and yeah. it, it just everything um, from fighting battles, probably from the ninth century on. So. I remember when I went there with with Mima, uh, they had a whole medieval torture like, yeah, section torture of chamber. the museum. Yeah, that was gnarly. Yeah, that was so gnarly. That was some Ugh. some hardcore stuff. Yeah. So we uh, John around. Did you go to Did you go to Abbey Road? Uh, I don't know if we made it to Abbey Road. I and, made it and to you know Abbey why? Road and made Mima stand in the middle of the road and take pictures. Take of a picture of you. You felt like a beetle. She was getting honked at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a beetle for a, for a minute. It was awesome. I don't think you were the only one to ever do that. No, no, no. We we walked a lot, and then the one thing that's a distraction in London is about every block, or maybe every four or five storefronts. <laughs> no, it is a pub. Yep. So. We just were going for a pub, and our, our line was, uh, and it was a line that came from us in college. Let's just stop by for one beer. Well, that one beer just turned into one a beer. couple of pints. And so, were you were you staying at hostels? In London, we did. We stayed at a hostel. Yeah, we 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 planned the trip that we were going to stay in hostels because of the price, but hostels were brutal, and we and and in a little bit. 
in the show, we'll hear some good hostel stories. <laughs> so but the hostel in London wasn't so bad. Wasn't so bad, and we were—I I believe we were there two nights. So How we much did it out. cost? I think it was like fifteen bucks a night. Fifteen bucks. Fifteen American dollars for a night. Yeah, it's so, not bad. Yeah, uh, and we had planned the trip to have a budget that we weren't—we were trying to stay at twenty dollars a night per guy, so we wouldn't spend over sixty dollars just for accommodations. For just for accommodations, so twenty bucks, pretty cheap. Pretty cheap. Pretty cheap travel. So we were done with London. We uh, wanted to get to mainland Europe, to the continent, as they say, and start our Eurorail Pass. We had bought a Eurorail Pass, and we were going to start it when we got uh, to the continent. So we decided to take a bus to Dover, to the coast of England, and we took a ferry to from Dover to Ostans, Belgium. And that was great. We were on, we were on board. Having beers outside, we met a Portuguese fisherman that uh, told us the story. I'm sorry, he was not a Portuguese fisherman; he was a Belgian fisherman, and he told us the story. We noticed that he had two gold loops, uh, two gold earrings, one on each ear, and the fad in America at the time, in the '90s, was for men to have one ear pierced, but not both. So we asked this. Gentlemen, what, what's the story behind two gold? And, and they weren't like small little pendant earrings. They were full gold pirate loops. So he kind of looked like a pirate. You and were he immediately said, intrigued. I was, I was intrigued. I needed to hear the, the story of this. So he told us, uh, as, a, as a fisherman in the open North Atlantic, you wore those. So if your body, if you fell overboard and your body washed up on a foreign shore that those two gold earrings hopefully were still on your, your ears and whoever found you would take one of those, use the money and have you properly buried or if you had ID to ship you back home and then they got to keep the other one as their finder's fee. So wow. you have two gold earrings. A payment at an advance. Yeah, so it's pretty bold to wear that. Like uh, it's your... Yeah, just in case I slip. Just in case I fall overboard. Dang. But we, we ended up getting to, we had a great rough ferry ride uh, over, and so we were delayed. So we were going to meet a train in Belgium and take that train into Amsterdam. Well, we missed a train by like an hour, and the next one left in the morning. So now we had nowhere to stay. We had our 50, 60-pound backpacks on our back. Not a light packer. Um, I was a pretty good packer, but I, I wasn't. I wasn't where I am now about you know, the backpacking backer. Wearing your backpacker. jeans seven days in a row. Uh, so we we got there. We had nowhere to stay. Nothing was open. So we started tromping around Ostans, Belgium, and we found that there was one pub that had that had stayed open because everybody on this ferry had missed their trains. So everyone else who had missed their trains packed into this pub, and we ended up literally drinking all night. I mean, I know it sounds like a Jimmy Buffett song, but we 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 were with some chums. I'm sure they had rum, and we end up drinking all night. And we for survival stayed, purposes. Yeah, it was it was our lodging, and you just had to buy a new uh, you know a new pint every hour, and the bar stayed open. And How much so was a pint? We um, did it. Was it less than twenty dollars? Uh, uh, oh yeah, a pint was three or four dollars back then. You know, maybe maybe three bucks. Yeah. And now this is before the euro. So every country you went to, you had to change money. So luckily, this guy in Belgium was close enough to England where he took the English pound, because I think that's all we had on us. Mm. 
So we drank all night. Uh, lucky we weren't driving, walking, or riding a bike because we probably wouldn't have made it. But we got on the train at like 6 a.m. and hustled Popped into, uh, went into Amsterdam. So, One of my favorite cities. There we are in Amsterdam, 1992. Now, if any listener out there has been to Amsterdam, you know we don't need to go into too many details what Amsterdam is known for. <laughs> and I'll just say the red light district and the green grasshopper. <laughs> uh, we frequented one and not the other. <laughs> That's good. So we stayed at a place called Bob's youth hostel more green less red a lot more green no red that's good so in our travel guide uh, that we had used as our bible which was rick steve's europe through the back door it's up there i see it and it, it had recently come out i think he published it maybe in 1990 so it was a relatively new book and uh, rick steve's i followed him on pbs and all his shows great guy great travel shows but this was the first book written about europe through the back door not not the big touristy spots not standing in line at the louvre all day to see the mona lisa but getting out and finding just crazy what the locals stuff do and where they go and really immerse yourself in, in the culture yeah so we took that book europe through the back door and we kind of changed it to europe through the pub door <laughs> so europe through the back of the pub door but we really tried on this on this trip to stay off the beaten path. I mean, not that's to, what the locals do. It's kind of where you are. It's what all the locals at. do. So we stayed at Bob's Youth Hostel, and it was an interesting, interesting place. It was a four-story building, and every every floor was the same bunks. It was co-ed showers, open co-ed showers, um, which I was shocked when I uh, went into the shower with a bathing suit on because I knew it was a co-ed shower. Because you were a modest fella. I, well, I just would, wanted to have respect for everybody, uh, wow. you know, traveling. And uh, I'm, I'm taking a shower, soaping up, and here comes this uh, buck-naked German couple walking in the shower. So I was... You I were was, probably easily identified uh, as the American. Yeah, who's the American who has bathing suit on like I was at like sixth grade summer camp. <laughs> in the locker room. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, it, it was it was a fun place. It was right smack dab in the middle of Amsterdam, and we saw Amsterdam. We saw canal cruises, canal cruises uh, coffee know, shops, just, just great museums there. Did you go uh, to uh, coffee see Van shops? Gogh? Um, no, because I think Van Gogh had a line, and that yeah. was one of our um, that was one of our pre. I was mesmerized. In the Van Gogh Museum. Yeah. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. Especially, you know, coffee shop, croissant, coffee. Van, Van Gogh. Gogh. It was a vibe. Yeah. It was one of the best days of my life, probably. Amsterdam's a good city. Um, Heineken Brewery. Oh, um, Heineken. That was awesome. Yeah, lots of lots of Heinekens there. The the beer, the beer in Europe in 1992 was cold, flowing, and cheap. <laughs> is that <laughs> so, where you started? Yeah, we didn't drink a lot of, of wine. Is that where you started your love affair of Stroopwafels? You know, I don't remember having a Stroopwafel there. I think you introduced me to the Stroopwafel. I, I don't remember that little snack because I'm such, you a, I'm such a fan of them now that if I had a Stroopwafel, you would have remembered. a warm Stroopwafel over my coffee, I would have remembered that. Yeah. I'm so we did the Amsterdam scene. It was great. Um, 
and from there we we had we took the train. Well, I want to I want to touch on a little story that that you told us growing up how you were lost. Mm. How you were lost. I had I had and you navigated your way back to the hostel. Well, yeah, I was lost and a little confused. And where I thought I was lost, I was really standing right outside the hostel door in the pouring rain, and thought I was uh, thought I was lost somewhere uh, knee deep in the you know red light district of of Amsterdam. You, you and thought you were at your wits' end. You were like emotional. Um, you were scared, and then you looked up. And my buddies came out and uh, said, "Hey, we've been looking for you." And I gave them a big hug, and you're like, you know, "They found Eric me." Eric and Joe. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, I mean, I think the le- next morning we left Amsterdam. <laughs> you're like, get me out of here! It yeah. really does look the same. It's one big circular city, so it's easy it to just. And they're all canals. All canals, all similar streets. It all kind of looks. The so same. they really can't change it because. No. So Amsterdam, a hundred years ago, looks pretty much the same as it does today. Yeah, the canals are a lot cleaner. They're no longer used as the sewers. That and we any, any of our listeners want to plan a trip to Amsterdam, my recommendation is it's about a three to four night stay, and that's plenty. And then get out. <laughs> Don't <laughs> stay too long. I, I mean, it like a horror movie, a house. Get out. Don't stay too <laughs> you long. You have to leave. Because as an American, you're like, hey, there's a canal. Well, there's like 500 canals in Amsterdam. And it's all one big canal. Yeah. It just keeps going. Yeah. So we boogied out of there. We took the train. Now, this is 1992. The wall fell. The, the, the Soviet Union collapsed in 1990. And soon all of Eastern Europe was one domino after another. So this is only two years later. But I had to go to Berlin. I had to, I had to journey into the belly of the Third Reich. As a historian uh, that studied World War II and grew up just watching every World War II movie, reading books about it, I had to go see that. So we took the train. All what the, did you have to see? The wall? Or where the wall was? I just wanted to feel Berlin. I just wanted to, you know, that was... Yeah, you'd never been was, there. Yeah, it's the belly of the beast right there. I had to, I had to Why feel... Why was it the belly of the beast? Well, because it was the headquarters of, the, of, of Nazi Germany. Oh. It was the headquarters of the Third Reich. It's where Hitler was and... Um, uh, some original buildings were still standing and I just wanted to feel what Berlin was, was feeling and going through as it was, as it was falling. Yeah. So we didn't spend much time on the wall cause everybody wanted to go see a wall. I'm like, it's a wall and it's going to get torn down. Um, so we walked around a lot, but getting there. So we had an adventure getting there because one thing about traveling every day is like Sunday or every day is like Saturday, but you got to realize Monday in Europe is different than Friday, is different than Sunday. So we made the, a bad decision to travel there Saturday afternoon, arriving us. Uh, so we were arriving in Berlin at like 10 p.m. Saturday night. Busy, I imagine. Yes. And Berlin was bustling. And so that's like getting in a Times Square in New York City at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. With Now, mind you, we had no plans. We, we had no uh, place to stay we were just going to get off the train and start looking. So we did that. We saddled up our backpacks and good little Americans with their backpacks on and hiking boots and jean shorts on. Jorts. Yeah. And we headed out. We walked the streets of Berlin for like two hours and no one had a had an open room. And the only place we could find was like high-end hotels for $300 a night and our budget was $60 a night. Mm-hmm. So I had a bright idea. Like, guys, we're going back to the train station. 
we're getting back on a train and we're going to go fall asleep on the train and we're going to take the train halfway back across Germany, turn around, which we did do that, and we got to at least take our backs off and kick our feet up and sleep a little bit. And we took a train, I think, back to Frankfurt, Germany, which was, again, halfway across Germany, got off that platform, and then took the next train, this was probably three or four in the morning, back to Berlin. So you used the train as your place to sleep. Yeah. That's a good idea. But it was a big waste of time because we had we took the train to Berlin twice. <laughs> right, but really you were moving whereas you would have been sleeping in Berlin. So yeah. you we, basically... We, and we were safe, and so we survived. And it was free. So, and it was free. So we rolled back into Ber- That's Berlin. That's a pretty good idea. It was, let's say, by 8 or 9 a.m., and we put our packs back on, and we found a great place to stay. Uh, it Hostel? Looked, yeah, it was... No, no, it was a private... They called, they called it a, a pension. Um, so a small hotel and it, and it looked like something out of a World War II movie. It had like a 15 foot ceiling and it was a converted office, it looked like a converted office space for German soldiers. And it was a hotel room. There was it a, probably was a former Yeah. The, the door was like 12 feet tall. There was a shower smack dab in the middle. I guess that's where they, the pipe was to drain it in the middle of the room. What? And it was like three little single beds around. So it was pretty cool. So we spent a couple nights there. We we saw Berlin. What did you get into in Berlin? Uh, you know, nothing nothing super adventurous there. Uh, no problems. We just walked a lot. Uh, saw the sights. Um, still, there were some ruins there. Had you washed um, your jorts by this time? Oh, we did some laundry there. Oh, that's that was good. A good. That was always a good stop. Uh, that's good. Yeah. We did, in the we shower? Did, we did a little laundry. Yeah, we found a laundromat. Well, it, with traveling with uh, with our family in the past, you know, decade to different places, uh, my father is known for packing very light. Yes. Um, and wearing the same clothes over and over again. So, this was yeah something that you'd been doing on this trip as well. Yeah, so. you know, you hang clothes up at night, you let them air out, and mm-hmm. um, one thing about traveling in Europe, um, a lot of people, especially back in 1992, uh, didn't smell like they were um, going to the country club for brunch. They smelled like they had been uh, working all day. So... You blended right in. You blend right in. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, when in Rome. Yeah. When in Rome. Smell like a Roman. Smell like the French. <laughs> smell like a Roman. <laughs> so from Berlin, we decided we wanted to stay in that Eastern European vibe. So we took the train south to the city of Prague. Which Prague, again, had been recently... I'll say liberate, liberated from the Soviet Union, and it was doing really well. It was enjoying capitalism. People were flocking to it, but it was still dirt cheap. And that's where the the beer fl- just was flowing like a river. Um, so how, how you did accommodations in Prague, there weren't, there weren't many hotels. There was only a few high-end hotels. So you rented a flat from someone who owned owned or rented their flat and subleased it. It was like an Airbnb in 1992. So you got off the train and you started negotiating with someone and then you followed them basically to their their their, place. their apartment and you rented it for them. So we met a couple of uh, other traveling guys on the trip. They were from Reno and we were from Chico, so we were uh, we we were instantly bonded. And so there was five of us. And we had gone through the hustle line 
and said no, no, no. We, we had a, some advice from a fellow traveler from our fraternity that you got to make it outside. They, they, they really hard sell you on the inside. It's like just, Cancun Airport. Yeah, just make it outside and you'll be okay. So we made it outside. We fought our way out and we met a guy there who said he had uh, room for five and it was $50 a night. So Perfect. we got for $10 a guy per night, we had our own flat with a balcony, a kitchen, five beds in it, a couple of bathrooms. It was great. I, I think if we didn't have such a um, planned trip of seeing so many other cities, we might have stayed in Prague for a couple of weeks because it was 10 bucks a night. So then we, we ventured out and we found a couple of pubs and beers were cheap. They were like a buck or a buck 50. Yeah, uh, maybe a dollar fifty on average. Is this where the infamous yes yeah, the, uh, story uh, is? Yes. So okay. we kept walking, and we were walking around the streets. It was an amazing city. Uh, there's a great castle and the Charles Bridge, which you cross the big river uh, that flows through Prague. Uh, just incredible. We kept meeting Americans and more Americans backpacking, but we stumbled on this little. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a pub. It was just you know a tiny little bar. And it had a, a, a wash basin, and be in, in a, and there weren't even taps. The beer just was like at, at, there was only one type of beer. They only served literally. You couldn't get another cocktail or wine. It was just one beer on on one tap. And there was about a 350 pound woman behind the bar, <laughs> with a tank top on, and she was taking the liters of beer and. She would wash them and she would just dip them in the water and then set them on a rack so that they weren't really even washed. Rinsed. <laughs> they were rinsed and then ready to fill back up. Now, these are liters of beer. So a good solid... That's a stein, right? It's 33 ounces of beer, yeah. That's three beers? But they were a ceramic stein. They weren't even a glass stein. They were big ceramic steins. Wait, a typical beer is eight ounces, so that's more than three. Well, beer is 12 ounces. Oh, 12 ounces. Yeah, and a pint of beer is 16 ounces. Okay. So uh, a liter of beer is a, is a solid two pints. Yeah. And this beer was the, the local Prague beer. It was strong beer. It was good. And so we decided that we needed to try a pint of this. And we thought she had made a mistake after we ordered three beers because it was a little over a dollar for three beers. We One dollar for three beers? Yeah, for three liters of beer. So we oh went God. outside and the, the, uh, on my little uh, calculator, we figured out um, <laughs> the the... You know, because it was a different currency, too. So we weren't familiar with the currency. So after we're having outside, you know, I'll get to why we were sitting outside in a minute, but we were calculating and it came out. These liters of beer were equivalent to 36 cents of American money. Yeah. 36 cents for a liter of beer. The happiest math you ever did. It was. It was. So I was an instant fan. Now, we were sitting outside uh, the bar on the curb because once we got the beers, we found a little table and then we noticed that we were in a we were in a local bar. They were locals, and I think they were locals of factory workers, um, blue collar, very blue collar, um, and very unshaven and unwashed. Rugged. They were, they were the real deal. So there was an odor in the in the bar that pretty much smelled. As close as, as close to my high school shoulder pads as I'd ever smelled after I stopped playing football. I mean, it was, 
you know, it, 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 it was like smelling salts. It kept you, it kept you just <laughs> bright eyed. So we decided to leave the table and move out to the curb. And then it was fresh air. Yeah, and we, fresh air. Yeah, yeah. we ducked back in for a second round. And that's when we discovered, yes, and, and they were 36 cents for a it's liter of It's not too good to be true. Yes, it is true. Yeah. And so we returned there day two with a few more Americans because we told them about our 36. So the average price of beer was probably... You couldn't keep your mouth shut. You had to spread the word. A buck 50 everywhere else. So this was cheap beer. Yeah. So if a, if a pint of beer was a buck 50, this was a pint of beer basically for 18 cents. It was like drinking for free. Yeah. It was... It's basically free. It was free. It was free beer to, to <laughs> college guys. So you, you like can imagine... Like Yeah. You can... You can see how that went so then the next afternoon we went so it became like our it became like our happy hour place happy hour it, it might it might have been the original happy hour right there but yeah so every afternoon after we did our sightseeing and we we would return to this the scene of the crime and each day we returned we we had maybe five more people with us well the last day we had about 25 americans sitting out on the curb littered out on the curb of this drinking the 36 cent beer so we were really good for business to that establishment. And I'll never forget. It was the same woman all, all four days, too. And she I, probably never left. And I think it was the same tank top. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the same tank top. Um, uh, but I think we did get her to crack one smile. She yeah. never smiled. And I think the last day, I think it was when I said, look, look how much business we brought you. And I think she, I think she had a little smile. Oh. So that was also when we found out that you could get a... Uh, when I grew up, bagel dogs were very popular. Eating a bagel dog. I've had one. A, a, a hot dog, a sausage, any any type of a... Processed meat and bread. Processed sausage wrapped or baked in some kind of bread. So they had these big Czechoslovakian sausages baked in this fresh bread. And we found a little side street that had a little hut that was making them, a little window. And they were 25 cents. <laughs> So now we're talking thirty-six we're just cents. Around at this point. Thirty-six cents for a liter of beer and twenty-five cents for lunch and dinner. And how big was the sausage? It, it was a meal. Yeah. It was a meal. Um, it, so we ate well and we drank well. Originally, I think we were going to spend two days in Prague, and we spent four and left on our fifth day. Yeah, that's pretty hard to leave when you find. Yeah, it was kind of like Disneyland. <laughs> It was the bridge lit up at night, and it, and, it, and there was a castle up on the on the uh, opposite side of the river from where we were staying. It just it looked like Disneyland. That's where Disneyland was inspired by. One of the places. Yeah, yeah I think uh, Walt Disney. In Austria took it. and south of France and yeah, Switzerland. All through the Alps. Yeah. But it was a really neat place. So we uh, we decided we better move on with our trip. So we skedaddled out of Prague. And our next stop, we made it down to Vienna, Austria, which we weren't big art guys. If you can kind of gather uh, the other two gentlemen I were I was with, um, we were we were into um, we weren't looking for the Louvre castles. And... Yeah, we weren't looking to go to the the opera in Vienna. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vienna is a real artsy. Is that what place. they're known for, the opera? Yeah, yeah. Well, just the arts. Yeah, lots of museums. Um, I think, I mean, that's where Mozart spent a lot of his time. So some cool stuff, but we found a youth hostel outside of town a little bit. And our first night, 
was spent laying awake listening to a absolute crazy German class. I mean, it was like two or three classes of young, probably like seventh or eighth grade German boys. And they were in our youth hostel and they never went to bed. They just stayed up all night, chitter chattering, running around. Um, at one time, I think my cousin Eric said he's going to throw one out the window. And we, we talked him down from the ledge and said, no, no you can't do that. But uh, there was a gaggle of them and they were noisy all night. So we, we did a pretty fast, um, a fast day did through. Did stay in Vienna. Yeah, we did. We were pretty tired of the sausage uh, fest by then. And, uh, Literally and figuratively. We needed, to, we needed to eat something else besides <laughs> um, salami, sausage, hot dog, because I think we'd eaten a lot of that in Amsterdam too and in Berlin. So we're going on a couple weeks now of... Um, Beer and sausage. Yeah, not mixing it up. And three boys from California, we were used to good Mexican food, good Asian food. Mm-hmm. So in Vienna, we did find a Chinese restaurant. And we ordered up a round of plate. We, we each ordered a plate of food. We sat down and they had Sing Tao beer. And I remember Sing Tao beer was... I mean, that's, the, that's the Chinese beer. And when I was in China, that's all, that's how I learned. I was in China when I was back in high school on a trip. And that's when I really learned how to drink beer uh, because they had, you, you had, to, they, you couldn't drink the water there. So oh. in, in China in 1987, you drank orange soda or Sing Tao beer. And you opted for the beer. And I learned how to drink Sing Tao beer. Sing Tao. Yeah, soda. Yeah. So we walk into this Chinese restaurant. They got Sing Tao beer. We're starving. And we ordered up three plates of food. Uh, you know, combination. You got a couple of choices of your you know, rice and a, a main. But they came out and they were a full big plate of food. Well, we devoured them. And the little guy was waiting on us. He came by, you know, how was it? It was great. We're going to order another one. And the guy could not believe as we polished off two heaping four pound plates of Chinese food noodles and rice and, and, and they meat. just I think towards the end they just kind of sat in awe watching us watching us eat and we have a because you're six one Eric is what six three or four six three um, Joe's shorter than you but he can eat we, we could eat and we were hungry and we were really um, we really yeah. liked having some Asian food there so of all my memories of Vienna of all the grandeur of Vienna I remember a plate of Chinese food <laughs> So we blazed out of Vienna and we made our way to, um, we, we got back on the train um, and we went to uh, the city you went to, the, the, the city of the sound of music. Salzburg. Salzburg, yes. Oh, that was a great city. We ventured into Salzburg. I had some of the best Italian food of my life in that city. Yeah. The Italian food revolution was not in Salzburg in 1992. That arrived later. So... Again, it was back to was a, uh, a bratwurst or a, yep. a wiener schnitzel or some. They had very authentic uh, Austrian food. But that was a great city. Uh, again, a beautiful river running through it. We had a great place to stay. We met some other Americans. Uh, we, we hiked all over the castle there. The Salzburg Castle is beautiful. That's also where we went to the oldest restaurant. That's right. The longest continuing restaurant. Remember, it's been open since like... 800 yeah yeah we had dinner and this was in a trip we went on in 2016 2016 the whole family went to the alps for a couple weeks uh but on that trip yeah we went to the oldest restaurant continually 
running, running, operating. Restaurant in the world. Yeah. It had been continually operating from family to family or business to business. Yeah. It's like, I want to say like 600 or 800. It was, yeah, it was around 800 and it had been run for, by monks and they would run it for a couple, they ran it for a few hundred years and then a family would run it for like 200 years and then they sold it off to another family who ran it for two or 300 years. Hopefully that happens to Summit. Yeah. We're (laughs) a couple thousand years short, but... (laughs) Uh, and we didn't see that. You know why we didn't see that in 1992? Uh, because we were looking for 50 cent bratwurst on the street. Yeah, streets. it wasn't a cheap restaurant by the time we got to it. Yeah, that was a neat restaurant. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then in Salzburg, we found a great beer garden, which uh, we did walk through when we went on that trip. But uh, it was it was a really good beer garden. We had not been to Munich yet, so we didn't. It was our first real German beer garden outdoor and they were serving liters of beer yeah a lot of german influence in switzerland they weren't 36 cents in salzburg then they were probably five bucks uh but a liter's a liter and we you broke even we had we had a lot of fun there uh we left salzburg and now we were into the alps so we stayed in the alps for a while um i think our next stop was munich so we did go to munich um but you went through switzerland so you saw that the no, no, we went from we went from Salzburg to Munich because that's a straight shot west. Um, that's where you go by Hitler's eagle's nest, right? Yeah, yeah, and we did not stop. Um, that wasn't one of our stops we had made, but we did do that in 2016. Yeah, uh, to that was neat. The eagle's nest. That yeah. was crazy. Yeah, to sit there where he was sitting. That was Birch's Garden. Birch's Garden. Yeah. So we made it to Munich, and we had a really fun time. I remember going to the Lowenbrau Beer Garden, and uh, I was I was a little surprised because I I thought that the the servers of the steins of beer all looked like the St. Pauli girl, and so we were waiting for the St. Pauli girl to come around. But I think they're only employed at Oktoberfest. Uh, because all we had serving us beer were very unfriendly Turkish men. <laughs> and all they wanted was their Deutschmark in their hand, and here's your beer. Um, so we went in search of the St. Pauli girl, and, and we never found her. Oh. Yeah, just a lot more unfriendly Turkish men serving beer. Why the Turkish men in Germany? Well, uh, Tur- Germany has had a lot of immigration from Turkey. Um, that was... That was a lot of their workforce. Um, Germany needing more more workers and workers really opened their the, the, the not on their southern border, but um, there was a lot of immigration from Turkey. I think through the seventies and eighties into Germany. Mm. Yeah, uh, we did uh, we did do one interesting thing there. We went to the Dachau uh, concentration camp. Oof! So that was extremely eye opening. Um, I had. I had watched many films about World War II and the Holocaust, but to see it firsthand, um, and it and it's it's not quite the Auschwitz because it's in outside of Munich, Germany. Um, it, it was it was a little cleaned up. I, I never want to give an analogy of an amusement park, but it was it was clean and it told the story, but it didn't. It didn't have that kind of eerie it, feel to it you know, as much as the prison camps. The, the 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 camps that are open in Poland haven't had German 
influence. So they've been able to keep them just as they were, just original. Yes. Oh. So it's it oh. Was, so you're saying the Germans kind of cleaned up theirs to kind of make it a little. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They they did, and the 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 message was still there. You saw the horror. Um, but it, it was a little cleaned up version. So, yeah. but if, if, if any listeners are out there and they, there are around Southern Germany or Munich, it's definitely worth the visit because it, um, you know, it, it, it can, okay. it will humble, it will humble, um, anyone at any time. Yeah. It's, uh, in terms of history, one of the most, you know, historic events to ever happen in the 20th sure. century and, you know, important to go and. And I always, I always like, you know, I'm, I'm one and through this show, you'll feel, um, you know, you never feel sorry for yourself. Um, and if someone's ever feeling sorry for themselves, take a trip like that. Yeah. And you will, you will put things into perspective. Totally. So we left Munich and then we really kind of crawled our way through the Alps. Um, we went to, we went to Switzerland. We went to Luzerne, Switzerland. That's, That's where I bought a Swiss army knife from the. Swiss Army Knife Factory, the Vitronics or yeah, yeah, Vitronics. You saw Swiss the line in the car- carved out, and uh, the line carved out. Remember that that cliff of oh, stone oh the lion, the lion, yes, where the weeping lion is. Yes, and that's right where the little factory store was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I still have that Swiss Army knife uh, today. I, that's gone with me all my all my travels. I bought one in Lucerne too, and then I got it promptly uh, confiscated at TSA because I forgot to put it in my checked bag. So yours didn't last long. I uh, didn't last <laughs> last as long as yours did. Yeah, I've been careful. Mine was confiscated one time, but I was um, able to check it in with um, the local police department, who I happen to have a connection with, and I went and retrieved it after our trip. When you left San Jose. Yes. Yeah, so that's smart. I, I I had it taken away, but thank God my friends at Police department got me out of that one, and I got the knife. Shout out San Jose PD. Because yeah. that's an heirloom. I mean, it's been with me since 1992. Yeah, I'll take yeah. good care of it. I'll, tr- I'll try not to well, lose it. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to pass it on to you. <laughs> you might, like, go board a flight with it because of the can opener and uh, bottle opener. Give it to Kaylee. Yeah, I might, I might have to give it to Kaylee. pass that down to uh, your, your, your children. Yeah. So we had some great times through the Alps. Uh, Lucerne, we landed there, and again, we were in search of our $60 budget a night. And Lucerne hotels were, uh, that's a little bit of a touristy place. So hotels were... Everything's like a, more expensive in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. And so hotels were like a buck twenty, right? One twenty. We went to the next one. It was 130 We went to the next one. It was 140 So we just kept walking outside of town. And we were all frustrated. We were tired. And we, we walked, walked, walked. And all of a sudden we get to this camp. We get to a campground. And it's the Lido Campground. And my cousin Eric, who was really the stickler for the $20 a night he wasn't uh, budget. A, a, accommodations, yes. Uh, Joe and I were ready to give in to a nice place and just relax in the city. But Eric said, nope, we're going to keep walking. And lo and behold, I thought, I thought we were going to walk halfway to France. Um, but lo and behold, a few miles outside of town or a couple miles outside of town was the Lido Campground. And there we had just like a vacation inside of a vacation. We rented, they had little bungalows, so we rented a three-bed bunkhouse, and I believe it was $27 a night. 
And Eric said, even cheaper told than Prague. It was like nine bucks per guy for our own little private little hut. It didn't have a bathroom in it, but it was a great place to stay. Good enough. But the best story of the Lido campground, you know this story's coming, huh? Yeah. The, the, the chicken story. So again, uh, guys from California that were used to eating a wide variety of food, we were really tired of the salami, the sausage, the meat. I mean, you'd go into a deli there. They had beautiful delis. And you couldn't find a chicken or turkey. But they had 78 varieties of salami. <laughs> and I'm just, I, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, all you need is one chicken. You got plenty of eggs, so I know you got the chickens. No turkey sandwich there. So we get to the Lido campground. We get all settled in. And they had a little snack bar open. So we saunter down to the snack bar. Two little Swiss ladies in the snack bar, cute older ladies, and we noticed they had a cooler full of liters of beer. So, and then, we, to our amazement, they have rotisserie chickens. They had a big oven just rotisserieing these little fat chickens. Like salivating. And it, it was it was like a cartoon where the cartoon you know where the coyote dreams of a chicken. Yeah. It it was that that was, so. The first, I think, uh, Eric went first, and he said, I'd like a liter of beer, uh, a chicken, and they had big baguettes of French, fresh Swiss bread and a baguette of bread. So he, he and, and it was cheap. I mean, that was that whole thing was probably uh, $10 for a chicken, a liter of beer, and a, a loaf full of bread. chicken. Full like chicken. Costco rotisserie chicken. Costco chicken. Without so, the plastic. So she, she serves that up. Well, she thinks... It's for the three of us that we're going to go picnic and share that. So now Joe goes next and Joe gets up there, smiles and says, I'd like a chicken, a liter of beer and a loaf of bread. And immediately the two women start like, like their little neighbors talking gossip, start whispering in, in the Swiss speak, mostly German. So in German, um, speaking to themselves like in amazement, they couldn't believe we were ordering already a second chicken a second liter of beer and a second loaf of bread. So they give it to Joe. Joe saunders off into onto the, the, the picnic bench and joins Eric, who's already tearing into his chicken, halfway <laughs> done with his beer. So I'm next, and they're looking at me like, what are you going to order? I'd like a liter of beer, a chicken, and a loaf of bread. And they just, they just were giggling. They were the all giggles from there. They could not believe. So I get my, my load. I get my, my bag of food. And I, I joined him at the bench and we, the three of us, I don't, I don't believe we probably said five words in the next 15 minutes. We went medieval on, on, the, on the chicken, pounded the beer, and just the, the loaf of bread was, was evaporated, a whole loaf of bread. So, and, and in fact, that's what we nicknamed, we gave Joe a nickname um, because he had eaten his chicken uh, so thoroughly, thoroughly that there was literally just a pile of bones and we called them the archaeologists because <laughs> there wasn't a speck of chicken on, on that carcass left. And so from then on out, he was the archaeologist. And these women just watched us the whole time, still giggling back and forth in amazement of these three Americans. large American boys downing chickens, bread. And I, I think we had liter two and maybe liter three of beer because the liters were, you know, Slowly. a couple bucks. And that was a Lido campground. The Lido campground 
Lucerne, Switzerland. One of the best meals of your life, would you say? What a, what a great place. And and just to end up, the, it was kind of the karma trip. And um, we had gone out after that big meal and we went out to the lake. This campground was just maybe a block off the lake, which was this huge lake, Lucerne. Most beautiful lake. Just, just gorgeous. It looked Picturesque. like a, yeah, it looked look as close as you can to Tahoe, but uh, just cleaner, even cleaner, yeah. and, and buildings and all around sky it. Sky high mountains. Sky high mountains snow, around it. Snow capped peaks. So we walk out to this pier on there. Grabbed a couple of liters from the from the snack shack there. It was the original. That was the OG snack shack. <laughs> so we grab a couple of liters, and we uh, we we walk out to the the pier, and um, I said, you know, this this day's been perfect. The only thing that would make this day better are fireworks. And I kid you not, five seconds after that, a fireworks show started on the opposite side of the lake, and. You couldn't hear real well. We were we were a little far, but we watched this beautiful firework display That's in the Alps. Cool. So it was a. Did you take a dip? It was a good day. We took a dip in the water. Yeah, we went. We we did a little, little cold swimming. Plunge. It was cold. You you swam in that lake. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. cold. Yeah, when we were there. But it was so refreshing. 2016, we rented a, a little uh, speedboat. Yeah, that. like a little kind of pontoon type of thing. And- mm-hmm. And that was you, awesome. You and Kaylee decided you wanted to swim to that little island, so you, you jumped in the water. And, and we boarded the island. And you, you, you attacked the island. We tried to go up on that platform, too, and they were like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, they you wouldn't let you. Here. Yeah, you had to pay your, you, yeah. you didn't have any euros on you. Yeah, we had to take a long swim back to the boat. No, it's such a beautiful lake. If you're in Switzerland, Lake Lucerne, Lucerne is a must. Yeah. So we wanted to stay in the Alps for a little while, so we, and we, we had a, a desti- we had a couple destinations that guys had told us about. So we probably weren't the smartest travelers of, of going from A, B, C, D, E, F, but we, we kind of booked these cities. So we left Lucerne and we went into Annecy. We were on our way to Chamonix, France. So we were, we were leaving the Swiss Alps and we were entering the French Alps, which is if anybody's been to the Alps, they all are beautiful. Whether you're in the Italian Alps, the French Alps, the Swiss Alps, the Austrian Alps, it's gorgeous. And it all... The Liechtenstein Alps. It, it, uh, the Liechtenstein Alps. Yeah, we, we drove through there. So we were on our way to Chamonix, France, which is a big ski location, but it was a destination for us because we wanted to take the tram all the way to Mount Blanc, which and we was, couldn't do that when we were there because the weather was so bad. They had closed it, huh? Yeah. So, in between Lucerne and Chamonix, we went through a place called Annecy. And Annecy was, it was one of the places Walt Disney had uh, modeled Disneyland out of. It, and they call it the Venice of the Alps because this, the little town of, of Annecy has these canals that, that run through the, the sound. That's, was that where we did the canyoning? Yes. And we stayed in that hotel where yes. where uh, Nazi German uh, Germans came and took yes. people away from. So yeah. yeah. So side side note on our I feel like we need to talk about our 2016. Well, we're kind of going trip. back and forth, kind of doing both of them. Back and forth, cool. but yeah. And that trip we stayed at a, a hotel that had been around for a, a few hundred years. It yeah. was a, it was an old hotel a little outside of town, uh, but in 1944, um, the the French really did a good job of. Um, harboring uh, 
Jewish citizens during the war and hiding them from the Nazis. And this hotel was had about 25 um, men, women, and children, mostly women and children, that they were hiding. And someone in town got wind of it, and the SS troops rolled up there and took these 25 people away from this hotel. Yeah, but didn't they a, the didn't they save one? The 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 owner of the hotel um, said two of the children were hers because she already had a couple children, and they looked enough alike, and she dressed them up in the same of her kids' clothes and saved, I believe, two of them. Two Jewish children. Yeah, and raised them as her own. And it was a plaque on the hotel. The, the hotel didn't talk about it, but there was a plaque outside the hotel, and I could read just enough German. And then tell. we looked it up and we read the whole story and yeah. we were like, wow. Yeah, and I read the names and I could tell the names were of Jewish descent. And I put two and two together and said, Yeah, they is... weren't like advertising that this was something we kind of dug. And Not at like, all. Wow, that's and then crazy. I asked one of the, uh, one of the, I think the manager at the hotel and she had kind of told most of the stories. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, Annecy. You, you, that's Annecy. So Annecy, France. So we had a great time there. Um, that's where we, we found the bakery that had the best chocolate croissant ever in the world. And that, when we went? Yeah, that was that was the, the bakery that I... God, we had hundreds of croissants on that trip. Yeah, the, the Alps know how to bake. They're all good. I wish someone in the United States could bake the same type of croissant that they bake There's in There's a good croissant France. place up in San Francisco that's supposed to be really, really good. I'll have to try that next yeah. time we're up there. We finally made our way to Chamonix, France. Uh, there's one road in and one road out. It's literally a canyon surrounded by the tallest mountains you've ever seen. Yeah. It, it's just, you, you... You're like in a bowl. Yeah, you wouldn't believe um, how tall the mountains are above. I think you're at like 6,000 feet altitude in the in the, the. It's higher mountains. than Denver. Yeah, or about that. And then the mountains are 14,000 feet high. Yeah. So we left uh, Chamonix and we left the little town and we got on the, it's, it's like a gondola. Like mm-hmm. you would think about it, like a Squaw Valley gondola. Yeah. Um, and we took it up and we left in shorts and t-shirts because it was about 80 degrees in Chamonix. You mean jorts and t-shirts? Yeah, some some jean shorts and some some tank tops. Oh, we probably had tank tops and on. And some New Balance shoes so, with white so, calf socks. Yeah, or some that might have been pre-New Balance days. That might have been still uh, Nike shoes in oh. those days. Um, New Balance was probably a little, was a little ahead of New Balance. Yeah. But we definitely had our no no we probably had our hiking boots on. Yeah. You only brought one pair of yeah, shoes. Yeah, we had our we had our Danner hiking boots on. Oh. So we, we, we journey up there and thank God I had stuffed one of my little packable down jackets in, in a little pack I had because we got up to the top after about an hour ride up and it was snowing. It was actually <laughs> snowing. And I don't know if it was snowing from the, uh, if it was snowing from the sky I believe it was just so windy, it was whipping the snow up. I mean, it was falling from the sky, but I think it was due to the wind on this crazy mountain Blanc. The, I believe the highest point in all, we'll, we'll fact check that, but... Uh, Slightly underdressed. Yeah, it, it, I believe it's the highest point in all of continental Europe. So we had a little snowball fight up there. 
Um, we did, did some angels, snow angels. Yeah, we, no, we did not do a snow angel. We made Joe do a snow angel. <laughs> and, uh, had a snowball fight. And that's where, when you get to the top of Mount Blanc, if you just keep taking that gondola over, you're in Italy. It's the border of France and Italy. So it quickly becomes the Italian Alps. Okay. But what we had left back in Chamonix was our passports. So we, we had to turn around. Oh. Yeah, we couldn't go into Italy. Were you bummed? I was a little disappointed in my preparedness that I didn't bring my passport. But Would I thought, you rather have brought your jacket or your passport? The jacket. It was freezing. Yeah. It went from like 80 degrees to probably 40 degrees in that, that ride up. Yeah. Uh, Did you get any skiing done? And uh, we didn't ski down. We, we joked about it that we could just, you know, turn, turn Eric into one big toboggan and me and Joe could ride him down the hill. But... Uh, <laughs> So we, uh, we did that. That was a real highlight of, of the trip, being up to the top of Europe. And then from uh, Chamonix, we were, we were now in France. So we decided that we, we needed to get some good, we needed to get some beach weather in. So we decided to head down to Nice along the Riviera. So we headed for the French Riviera. We went down to Nice. And Nice was a little bit of a, of a you know what, show. I mean, it was, it, it's a busy um, it's a holiday destination. It's a holiday destination and a little bit seedy. It, we, here we were in the Alps where everybody was just nice, friendly, nice, sweet. smiley, um, honest. And then we went to... They're not as welcoming as yeah, Americans. Yeah, and then welcome friends. to Nice. Yeah. Uh, but we, we did some great exploring along that region. We saw Monte Carlo and the, the, castle at, um, the castle at Monte Carlo and all the huge ships. I couldn't believe the... You know, 200, 100, 150 foot yachts in the bay. Oh there. yeah, that's. We we tromped the beach around, and uh, from there, so we had a had a pretty uneventful. We almost got mugged in Nice, but we um, we were smart wow. and uh, just some some thugs were following us, and I think they thought they would. They might have got a good look at us and decided not that we weren't going to be easy victims. Yeah, you put up a fight at least. We got our way out of there. What did they come, approach you and? Yeah, one of them approached us, and then they, and then they had, and then another group had followed us. But um, it was uh, weasel out of it. It's a little dicey, but we, we made our way. And then from Nice, we took the the train back up to Paris. Uh, spent a few days in Paris. Paris did all the touristy things: Eiffel Tower, Arc of Triomphe, um, lots of Parisian pubs, and good French beer. That's where I got a love for sixteen sixty four Cronenberg beer. Mm. Yeah, French beer. Uh, and we, we tailed up the trip and we you flew headed, back from France. We, we, we boarded a nonstop from uh, Charles de Gaulle to SFO. Now, last, last story of the trip, we knew it was going to be free beer. So we sat, we were luckily sitting in the back of the, the plane and we got on and started uh, drinking beers Doing what and you then, do. Uh, talking to the stewardesses. They, they, they took a liking to my cousin Eric, like a lot of ladies did. And um, Joe and I took the cart. They let us take the service cart, and we posted up at the back of the airplane, and we became the bartenders of the flight. What? And people were walking back to the back of the flight. Yeah. The, the commercial airliners operated a lot differently in those days. This is before 9-11. And the stewardesses were loving it because they were just kicking back in, in their seats, and we were serving cocktails. And they were chillaxing, flirting with Eric, and you and Joe just took over. We the, were bartenders the for the night uh, for the the ten hour flight. Oh my god! So we we got into San Francisco, and 
I'm, I'm really thankful that we were able to get off that plane. <laughs> All right. And that trip is a wrap. Wait, that wait. was uh, 40 another, days. Another of... cool thing about that trip is that you had just met mom I a did. few months before. And she had written you some notes. No, no. Different trip. Oh, different trip. Yeah. What trip but did she do that for? I had called. Um, I had just met Kim and uh, was madly in love with her. So I um, made, a, made a point to call her once a week on that trip. And I'd call every Sunday afternoon my time. It would be Sunday morning for her time. So every Sunday morning we talked. Oh. And uh, I missed her on that trip. And that was the last trip without her to Europe of my life. And we'll never, we'll never go to Europe uh, apart again. So. Oh, that's cute. Uh, what trip yeah. am I thinking of that she like wrote you some notes for you to open like every day or week or something? That's yeah, cute. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that one that's later. That's cute. Um, we'll just preface it with that was, again, with Joe and another friend, Steve. And we went to with about 10 other fraternity brothers, rented a houseboat for spring break on Lake Havasu. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. We'll talk Havasu later. Havasu is uh, where some shenanigans happen. I yes. haven't been, but I've heard. Well, that'll wrap it up this time. That's a great That's a great story. 1992. 1992. 40 days, 40 nights uh, with a backpack and not one reservation. Besides and a pair of jorts. Be, be, uh, no reservation besides flying there and flying home, and we pulled it off. So. Good men's. Great memories. Yeah. All, All right. right. That wraps up episode three. If you like this episode, give us five stars. We'd really appreciate that. Subscribe to our channel. Share it with your friends and family. But thanks for hanging out with us. Yep. My sh- episode. My shout out is to my wardrobe um, extraordinaire, my wife Kim, who has uh, been so kind to always. Um, have hanging in my closet. Um, I don't know if anybody can tell from my personality so far. I'm not a big shopper. I don't enjoy shopping. Uh, I was on the other end of retail clothing for 31 years, so I'm not a big, uh, you know, shopping around the mall. You know what you're, you're, you're looking at when you're dealing with clothing. But, so Yes, but she is always... Um, so uh, another fine Tommy Bahama. Yep, Tommy and, Bahama, uh, if you're listening, we would be <laughs> absolutely open to a partnership um, oh, Tommy Bahama. Oh, yeah. Okay, but I don't quite have the chiseled jawline. You don't have to. Um, you're th- I and, think you're um, the poster boy for Tommy Bahama. The poster boy for Tommy Ch- Bahama. Chill, laid back, retired. Tommy yeah. Bahama and Pappy Hour. We would be great partners. So. Before we leave, one quick shout out to another one of my favorite charities, Paralyzed Veterans of America, PVA. Check them out, pva.org. And uh, another great, great charity. Um, their return dollar um, percentage is extremely high, well into the 90 percentile, and they do great work with paralyzed veterans. Yep. Shout out to them. Shout out yep. to my Bahama. Shout out to everyone who tuned in and listened. And we'll see you next Love time. You guys, we'll see you for another episode next week. Thanks for joining in to Pappy Hour.